You know, I heard that song a couple of months ago. I was just kind of going through my, um, I think it was my Amazon Music. And I remember, I think it was in the car, and I'm hearing the song, and literally, I had to pull over. Oh, man, I got so emotional. Because, you know, in a lot of our houses, it's mom or it's grandma that was the driving force of faith in the household. It was mom or it was grandma that forced you to go to church on Sunday and even Wednesday nights. And in my life in particular, it wasn't my biological grandparents. They both lived in Mexico and in Puerto Rico, so I didn't really grow up with them. But we had a spiritual grandma, the woman who led my mother to faith. And she was faithful and committed to picking us up every Sunday and every Wednesday to make sure we'd go to church. Sometimes Saturdays to clean the church. We were a small little Baptist church. It was like 30 old ladies and myself. Uh, but she would pick us up, man. And my friends would always make fun of us because she had this old blue station wagon. I mean old. The kind where it still had that seat in the trunk that faced the rear that was totally illegal. Like, I remember thinking, like, I'm sitting in the seat. Any rear end, I'm dead. Like, this is not safe. But I was, you know, it was like the 70s, I guess, when they made that car. And so, you know, it was this old blue station wagon. My friends would joke that every time I made a turn, it lost a piece. And, uh, but man, she was faithful to picking us up no matter what vehicle she had to make sure we got to church. And then I think about my mom. Oh, my mom. The greatest prayer warrior I've ever known. Vivid memories burned in my head of my mom at her knees at her bed every night praying for us, praying for us, praying for us. Even in the seasons with her children where she could no longer control them and when they were out there doing crazy stuff. Thank God we were never insane, but, but we were out there. And, and I remember, I believe, and I know that it was through the prayers of my mother that sustained us and that kept us from going even further. And just a reminder for the parents in the room, especially when your kids get to a point where you feel like you can no longer control them, sometimes... They'll be able to ignore your words and your actions, but they are helpless against your prayers. And I thank God for my mother's prayers. I thank God for their genuine faith. Because that was the example I saw. Every day, my mother reading her devotionals, doing her prayers, teaching us how to do that, showing us what it meant to have faith in Jesus. And even last week, as, as we did the whole installation, the joy on her eyes to, to know you're doing what God called you to do. And, and I remember thinking like, mom, this is that moment. Like, you know, I never graduated from college. Don't tell nobody that. I never, and so I'm like, this is like my graduation, mom. And I remember kind of looking at her like, are you proud? Like, are you excited? And there was just this unbelievable joy on her eyes, not because of the position or anything like that, but simply because I believe every godly mother's greatest desire is that their children would walk with the Lord. Every godly mother's greatest desire. It's funny, like, when you think about Mother's Day, uh, it's so hard to buy something for mom, right? Like, everyone struggles, especially when you become older, because like, now I got money, and I'm supposed to buy something decent. When you were a kid, you can get away with the little sticks and stuff, but, like, as you get older, she's like, you know, you are not enough. Like, make me something. When you're a kid, you can make breakfast. When you're older, you better buy dinner. You know, things change a little bit. And so, you know, it's hard to shop for mom. It's like, what do I get mom, and what do I buy mom? Can I just tell you If your mom is God-fearing, if your mom has a relationship with the Lord, the greatest gift you could ever give your mom is to live the life with God that she's prayed for you to live. It's the greatest gift you could ever give your mother. 
Matter of fact, if you really want to give something, you're like, well, that's me. I want to give her something. Here's the best way you can give it. Live it and then teach your children to live it too. Live it and then teach those around you to live it too. That is the greatest legacy. That is the greatest joy of of passing on what God has done in and through your life. So when I heard that song and I'm, and I'm hearing about grandma's prayer and mom dragging me to church and then, and then the, the gentleman like living out his faith and then his children coming in the room, I just began to weep because I'm in the middle of that legacy. I'm in the middle of that process of raising up my daughters but honoring my mother and having this whole moment and it really got a lot into me. And immediately the Lord reminded me of a man in the Bible named Timothy. I, I, I relate to Timothy on a number of levels. Timothy was a young pastor, about his 30s, so very close to where I'm at. He was uh, trained by the Apostle Paul, discipled by, by an older pastor who established him and set him up. Again, I can relate to that. Having that discipleship, having someone uh, be a spiritual father and pour into you. And so Paul, in the, in the Bible, he writes some letters to Timothy, some words of encouragement, some words of instructions. And there's one particular verse that really stood out to me when I was thinking about this. And it's in his second letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. He says, I remember your genuine faith, for you shared the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is pretty rare to be called out by name in the Bible. It could have been very easy for Paul to say, hey, I remember the faith that your grandma first had and that your mother had. It could have been very easy for Paul to not even mention them and to take full credit for himself because he was Timothy's spiritual father. So he could have just very easily said, hey, I remember that faith that, that I poured into you and that I spent time laboring to make sure that you had. But Paul goes out of his way to say, hey, I remember your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. That faith that they had, that that time that they took to really pour into you, Timothy, it's in you now. What they had has been transferred into you and it's continuing and it's continuing strongly. And I love that, what he calls it. He says, your genuine faith. Title of my message is genuine faith because I don't know if all faith is genuine, right? I think a lot of us might profess to have faith. You know, I believe there's a God or I go to church. But is that genuine? Is that real? Or is it just, you know, the box that you tick off when you do a censor? Or is it just what you say when somebody politely asks you, hey, do you go to church or what then? Like, do you have genuine personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you have genuine real faith? And sometimes it's hard to tell real from fake, right? I mean, did you guys see in the news just recently? There was a bust uh, sold at Goodwill for $34.99. Anybody see that? There was like this Roman bus, $34.99, it sold at Goodwill. And then they later find out it's a real ancient Greek bus worth millions of dollars. (laughs) And it sold for $34.99. Why? Because people couldn't tell real from fake. And sometimes we can get away with that with people. We can act like we have faith. We can say all the right things. We can stand up when we need to stand up in church. We can sit down when we need to sit down in church. We can say amen when it's supposed to say amen. We know the Bible relative. Like we can get by on making sure people feel like we have faith. But genuine faith, that's a little bit different. 
And I think Paul uses a few adjectives here that helps us be able to distinguish what genuine faith is. So if you're taking notes, I want to look at some of these words. Now, number one, genuine faith is memorable. You remember someone who has genuine faith. It sticks in your mind. It's what you remember them for. Right? There is literally an entire chapter in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, remembering people and their faith. Hey, we call it the, the hall of faith, right? It is just names after names, men and women who were memorable, not for their talents and their giftings or their abilities, but because they were people of genuine faith. Over and over, if you read through that chapter, he starts his statements with, it was by faith that Moses, and it was by faith that Abraham, and it was by faith, and it was by faith, and he continues to reiterate that same statement, that it's faith that makes this people memorable. It's faith why we keep talking about them more than 2,000 years later. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 to 34, after going through a laundry list of people, the author goes on to say, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. It's memorable when someone has that kind of faith. As a matter of fact, as I started to say all those types of things, I'm sure some of you, you started thinking about people like that in your life. Men and women that were marked by faith. Men and women that you were like, no, no, that, that's the kind of faith I want in my life. That's the kind of faith I aspire to. No, no, I want that person to pray for me. All right? I want that person to explain the Bible to me. Why? Because they're genuine. Because they live it out. Right? Because who they are on the platform is who they are in the pew. Because it's the same person. Because it's, it's real. It's, it's genuine. It's who they are. How do people remember you now? What are you marked by? Are people saying, oh, Joey, you know, that really funny dude. Right? I remember in high school, uh, I went to Lane, and so there was a lot of kids. And uh, so when you, when you had a name like mine, Joey, you had to have something behind it. Like, Joey who? Like there's a 5,000 Joey's, which Joey? And I remember how my name would evolve over the years in different characteristics. Joey, the funny guy, or Joey, the guy who did this, or Joey, the guy who did that. But then at some point, it began to be Joey, the Christian. The kid who's always bringing people to church. The guy who's always talking about Jesus. What are you known by? In your home, in your job, where you hang out? Are you marked by faith and if you're not in the slightest, I might argue maybe your faith isn't as genuine as you think it is. The second thing we notice, right? Paul's talking to Timothy. He says, I remember your genuine faith. And then he says, for you share the faith. Genuine faith is shared, right? Billy Graham once said this, our faith becomes stronger as we express it. A growing faith is a sharing faith. If you're not sharing your faith, I would argue your faith is not growing, right? You want to have genuine faith? Share it. Put it into practice. 
Make sure you start talking to people about why you come to church every Sunday. Talk to people about the faith that you have. Talk to people about the things that God has done, the prayers God has answered, the way God has moved. Begin to tell people. Because the more you tell, some of us, we struggle because we're like, I don't know what to say. I'm not really evangelistic. I'm sorry. If you're a Christian, you're evangelistic. Just just what it is. Okay. You might not like doing this or that. But again, if you start to do it, you'll actually get good at it. I wasn't born preaching. I just practice. I just do it a lot. There's a natural gifting. Yes, to certain things that you do. But evangelism isn't that difficult. It's just simply sharing what you've gone through. If you look at the story of Jesus healing the blind beggar, right? There's this moment where he goes into uh, the Pharisees because anytime there was a healing, you had to have it verified by the temple. And so he went in and the temple didn't like that Jesus did it. So they're asking him all these questions. And there's a very interesting progression of the blind man because when he first mentions, well, who healed you? He said that guy named Jesus. It was just a guy. But then he keeps getting drilled by questions because they don't like his answers. And so later on, instead of saying that guy named Jesus, he says, the prophet named Jesus. So that goes from a guy into a prophet. And then later on, as he keeps talking about Jesus, it expands. And then eventually, if you read towards the end of the story, he meets back up with Jesus. And Jesus starts talking about the gospel, essentially. And the man, at the end of the story, gives his life to the Lord. And it's not till the end of the story that he recognizes Jesus as Savior. So he goes from a guy to a prophet to a Savior. Why? Because he kept talking about it. And the more he talked about it, the more his faith grew, the more he began to believe, the more he began to understand, the more he accepted. Some of us, our faith is weakening, not just because you're getting older, because stuff is happening in your life, but because you're not sharing it. Listen, the, the highest quality, most amazing car left sat in a lot over years is still going to break. Oh, but it's never put in use. That's why it's going to break. Because nothing's in movement, nothing's growing, nothing's flowing. All that gunk and oil and stuff is just settling down and becoming thick and, and moldy and nasty. And it messes up that vehicle because it's never driven. Is your faith driven? Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Going back to Paul speaking to this young pastor. He says, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Paul is trying to help Timothy understand it was never meant to end with you. You heard me teach you things that have been confirmed by a lot of reliable witnesses. Now, your responsibility is to pass it on to trustworthy people who will then pass it on to trustworthy people who will then pass it on to trustworthy people. Do you realize the only reason we even have the gospel is because people kept passing it on? Right? Because throughout the centuries, people have tried to eradicate God's word. People have tried to persecute Christians. People have tried to kill them. But the one thing the people of God have never stopped doing is sharing our faith. Listen, I'm gonna tell, I'll be very transparent on this one because as a new pastor, I'm sure people have expectations. Are you going to grow the church? No, God will. But I'll tell you this, only if you do your part. I'll preach my heart out. Don't mean anything if we don't do our part. If we're not sharing our faith, if we're not winning our friends over, if we're not telling people, like if we outsource evangelism to just bring in somebody to church and hey, listen to that guy, he's good at it, then you're never going to see growth. Not the kind that God wants us to have. Paul says, hey, you heard this. It was confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Man, I wonder if Timothy's grandmother and mother were some of those reliable witnesses. I wonder if it was passed down through some of their family. My greatest joy with my daughters is not that they'll 
win a trophy in t-ball or soccer or whatever sport they play. It's not that they'll get all straight A's and get into a great college. It's not that they start making six figures and, you know, buy their dad a house. Although I won't complain if they do that. I'll be totally fine if they do. No, my, my greatest joy is that they know Jesus and that they make Jesus known. Number three, is your faith, well, the first one we talked about is, is your faith memorable? Is your faith being shared? And the third thing is this, genuine faith is continual, or in other words, long-lasting. Genuine faith goes on. Genuine faith continues. I love what, what Paul says when he spoke to Timothy. He says, and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you continues strong in you? Is it continuing in you or did it stop with you? Is your faith lasting or was it just because of an emotional response you had one time at church because the preacher got really loud and the band lifted up and you raised your hand and you're like, yes, and it was great, but you never worked it out. You never took it beyond the emotional moments. And so it's always been an emotional thing. It's never been a rooted thing. It's never been no genuine faith. Listen, I get to do a, a lot of camps by the grace of God, and I get to do at these a lot of big events, and they have all the lights and the sound and the music and everything's going great, and it's very tempting to manipulate the situation because you can. But you, you see over time, that never lasts. And a lot of times we come to Jesus because maybe there's an emotional thing, maybe someone in your family is sick and, and you're crying out to God and God answers, but the problem is once he answers, you're like, thanks God, appreciate you, I'll call you next time I need you. No, I have faith. I believe that God did it. Yes, in that moment, but your faith stopped in that moment. It didn't continue. Genuine faith continues. Genuine faith lasts beyond God answering that moment. Genuine faith lasts even when God doesn't answer the prayer the way you want it to. Even when you pray for the healing and the healing never comes, genuine faith sticks around because it lasts beyond just getting what we want. Genuine faith is God, whatever you say, I'm in it. Listen, man, I'm, I'm a Chicago guy. We know fair weather fans. It's most of the people, right? Not a lot of Cubs fans lately. Not a lot of Cubs fans out there right now. Y'all just waiting. Y'all waiting a few years when all the young bucks come up and they start winning and all of a sudden, yeah, Cubbies, woo! And it's like, shut up. <laughs> bandwagon. I don't like bandwagon people. Right? Because you're not in it with us in the hard times, man. You're not in it with us when we're going through it. A lot of Bulls fans popped up last year. A lot of people all of a sudden liked the Bulls until they started losing at the end. They're like, oh, well, we got to trade so-and-so. Like, you don't even know his name. <laughs> and listen, it's no different. We got a lot of bandwagon Christians, right? When something happens, when something gets crazy, when the situations get bad, it's, oh, I need God, I need God. We got to trust in God. We got to believe in God. And then when everything settles, ah, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really... Yeah, I believe in God. It's just, it's, I got a lot going on on Sundays. I'm really tired, stuff happening. Fair weather. You only have a relationship with God. Your faith is only there when you need it. Again, let's look at what Paul says to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 15, he says, but you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know that you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. I love that my mother planted a seed in us from a very early age. And, and again, speaking as the former youth pastor, can I just say something to all you parents? Please do not wait until you think your child is ready to go to youth ministry. 
Because if you were waiting for them to be ready, I guarantee you when you think they are, they won't want to go anymore. You got to get them at that age where you, they you really don't have a choice. Like, child, you are 12. You are going and shut up. Because when they're 17 and three feet taller than you, it's a little harder to say that. Okay? But if you get them young, there's a little bit of a window, man. And I, again, I've done it for years. It amazes me. From my perspective, there were years from like junior high, sixth grade through almost like junior year. You're like, I don't even know if you hear me. I don't know if you're listening. I don't know if you care. Like you would give them these amazing truths and they were like, my cat's name is Meow. And I'm like, oh, all right. (laughs) But do you want to accept Jesus? Like it's this weird thing. But then it's funny, all of a sudden around junior, senior year, everything clicks. All of a sudden they're like, hey, God's called me to the ends of the earth to preach the gospel. It's like, Wow. Oh, yeah, let's do that. That's amazing. And what I've realized over the years is it's not that all of a sudden, junior year, senior year, they get it. It's that it took time for the seed to grow. Faith lasts, right? Even if you don't see it growing, it's like a bamboo shoot. When you plant a bamboo seed for four years, you see nothing. And then after four years, it grows by feet. Listen, what my mom planted in me took years to come out. As a matter of fact, it wasn't until I came in in the youth ministry as a teenager here at Belmont that what was planted in me began to grow. Faith lasts. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop trying. Don't worry. Don't don't fret. Don't wonder, are they ever going to do it? If you continue to live out your genuine faith, trust that it'll last long enough for others to notice. And the fourth thing is this. Genuine faith is strong. Genuine faith don't break easily. Fairweather faith breaks easily, right? Fairweather faith is the kind of faith that it's like, meh, I might be Christian today, I may not be tomorrow. But people who we admire, people with genuine faith, are the ones that in the darkest of times never waver. Are the ones that you know, it's like, man, I don't know how they're doing it with everything going on in their life, with everything happening. I don't understand how they still have faith. Well, maybe it's because you don't understand faith. That's genuine faith. You've been looking at counterfeit faith. You've been looking at light work faith. (laughs) Genuine faith is the real deal. Genuine faith is strong. Listen, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 through 7 says this. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Genuine faith is strong. It's why we're so desperate for it. Because we're going through difficult times. We've been in difficult times. I mean, again, let's just be honest. Look at how many people throughout the pandemic just stopped going to church altogether and never came back. Who walked away from their faith entirely. And I would argue, not all of them, but a good amount of them, it's because their faith was never genuine. They just showed up every week. They sat down, they heard a message, they felt good about themselves, and then they went home and lived the rest of their life how they wanted to until next Sunday where they sat down, heard a good speech, felt good about themselves, walked away and did some other stuff. That's not gonna last because when the church shut down, so did their faith. That should never be. Again, I go back to my wife. Like, she didn't go to church for almost two years. I was like, are you okay? Like, are you fine? But with two kids under two and everything that was going on, we, were, we didn't wanna make that risk. But her faith never wavered. 
throughout all the things my wife has gone through. As a matter of fact, when we were dating, even when I was starting to think about who I'd want to marry, that was at the top of my list because I knew what God was calling me to do. And the last thing I needed was a woman in my life that I wasn't sure if she'd be a Christian 10 years from now. I needed somebody solid who was willing to go through what I was going to go through with me. And I respect and I honor and I love my wife so much because even in the darkest times, even through her endometriosis, which is a very painful disease that women have, even through all the ups and downs and all the anxiety and stuff that comes. And again, just two kids under two all day long. You rip your own hair out. It was crazy. But her faith, steady, rock. I would see her pray. I would see her read. I would see her write and journal over and over again. I would see her teaching my daughter how to pray for missionaries. I would see her teaching my daughter all the deep stories. And she don't do just like the little puppet things, right? Like she goes into it. She's like, and this is how you become sanctified throughout the world. I'm like, baby, you know she don't know that. Well, it's because you don't teach her the word. Teach her the word, she'll know it. I was like, (laughs) okay, babe. (laughs) But can I tell you, faith only becomes strong when it goes through things. That's, it's, it's, it's hard, but that's the truth. Some of us are like, I want strong faith. Okay, you're going to go through stuff then. It's no different. It's like, man, I want to be strong. You better work out. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Well, lift weights, get strong. Don't lift weights, get weak. It's just kind of how that works. Like, you're going to have to work those muscles and rip them apart if you want them to grow back together stronger. Your faith is no different. You want stronger faith, you're asking God to put you through things. And God will help you and God will lead you, but it'll be trying and it'll test your faith and it'll push you to the edge, but it'll come out stronger. Think about it. When Jesus is about to be crucified, he's sitting down at the Last Supper. He's talking to his disciples. He says, hey, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, right? The devil has asked permission to rock you. And again, if I'm the disciples, I'm like, you said no, right, Jesus? You said no? (laughs) Tell me you said no. He's asking for permission. He he just can't do it. You said no. I love what Jesus says. But don't worry, guys. I prayed for you. (laughs) And what does he pray? I pray that your faith would not fail. Right? Again, I'm like, all due respect, if I'm talking to you, I'm like, hey, Jesus, man, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate that prayer. Um, Can you add to that prayer? Maybe that nothing will happen to us. Can you add to that prayer that we won't be stoned or thrown off a building or put in a pot of boiling? Or can you pray for that? Because all that ends up happening to them, right? Almost all of the disciples, with the exception of John, dies a martyr's death. Jesus didn't pray that their physical bodies would be protected. Jesus didn't pray that there would be no persecution. Jesus says, no, all that has to happen. My prayer is that when it does, it would not knock your faith out of you. Church, we can't keep going around the things in this world. God is strong enough to bring us through them and it'll hurt, but I guarantee you on the other side of that situation, you'll have greater faith. And I think that's why moms have such powerful faith. I mean, they've been through it. Just childbirth alone, shoot. I was in the, in, the, in the waiting room during my second baby's birth. And, uh, you know, when they do the epidural, they make you leave. And so I, I, I left, but I like sit at the edge of the hallway in case I needed to go in there and do something. I don't know what I would have had to done, but just in case I was there. And I hear my wife screaming, like just yelling, because that baby was coming. 
And they're like, man, man, don't push, don't push. And she just yells out, I'm trying. And then she later told me, I was not trying. I was 100% pushing. <laughs> and then luckily there was, a, there was an older African-American nurse in there. She got, lady, stop doing that. That baby's coming, put her on the bed. And then boom, baby just popped right out. <laughs> My wife's been through it. But the joy that came after the pain was amazing. And I can't tell you what that's like. You know, I just saw it. I didn't experience it. But I know her faith is strong because she's seen God moving it over and over again. Worship team, if you can help me out. Last week, uh, if you were here, you saw that we dedicated my two daughters. I always joked that my oldest daughter would one day just come up and introduce herself. I'm like, wow, she could have if she wasn't so shy. And during that dedication, if you paid attention, Pastor Carlos mentioned briefly the complications we had in conceiving. My wife, Cicely, has something called endometriosis. I mentioned that earlier. Um, it creates scar tissue around the uterine wall. It's very painful because it starts to pull out organs. And um, she's just in constant pain. She's just kind of has gotten used to that. But 50% um, of every woman who is unable to have children, that's usually the reason. And so for five years, we tried. And we just weren't sure if we were going to be able to have children or not. And I, I want to just make note that life can be full and complete without biological children. I think we've seen that in, in our uh, lead pastor, Pastor Carlos and Yvonne, and what they went through, the lives they lived, and the way that they carried themselves without ever having biological children. They were parents to many. And so I don't want to, to misunderstand that. And honestly, I was fine, like settled in my spirit. Lord, if it's within your will that we would never have children, I accept that because I want your will above all things. But as I was studying for this sermon, and as I was looking at 2 Timothy chapter one, I went back through my old notes just to make sure I didn't already write this message. That's happened to me before, where I'll get a verse, oh, it's a good message. I'm like, man, it's going really easy. And then I, oh, I wrote that already. So I just wanted to make sure it wasn't a repeat because you know, I want to give you something fresh. And I want to read to you something I wrote down in that last sermon. This is what I wrote. If I can, I'd like to be a little vulnerable with you this morning. My wife and I have been trying to get pregnant and God in his wisdom has not given us that blessing yet. My wife and I have talked about it. And although we are confident in what we've heard from God, if he decides not to give us biological children, we have been blessed beyond measure with the many spiritual children we've had the honor of helping grow. I wrote that message May 13th, 2018. One year later, we were one month pregnant. One year later, God fulfilled his promise. Now, I didn't know till then that Josie was gonna be born. I didn't know that every day when my mother, who lives in the same house, she would do something. Again, I told you my mom is the greatest poor prayer warrior I know. While we were trying, and my mother's got grandkids and all her kids have grandkids, but she had this desire for her son to have grandchildren, or to have son children. And what I didn't know is that my mother, throughout all those years, Whenever she would leave the house, we live in a two flat, they're on the second floor, we're on the first floor. Whenever she would leave and she would go downstairs, she would stop 
at our door. And she would lay hands on the door and she would pray. And she would ask God to bless our house. She never told us. She would gather together and she would pick up her other grandchildren, take them to school. She'd gather together with other Christian moms and she would say, would you pray with my son, for my son? And they would have prayer meetings in the playground as they waited to pick up their kid. I didn't know this. There's a lot of prayers that my mom prayed that I never knew. But oh, is my mother's prayer powerful? Because she has genuine faith. She believed in the promise that God had given us and in the work of the Holy Spirit. And she delivered. And then God delivered. I say that because I want you all to have genuine faith. I want you all to be able to lay hands on the doors of the needs of your loved ones and your family and your children and ask the Lord for whatever it is that they need and have confidence in knowing my God hears me because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we get ready to close here. And in a moment, I want to pray for the believers in this room that God would give us greater faith because I think we need it. But for now, I'm going to ask you for just a moment, would you bow your head, close your eyes? I'm sure there are many in this room who had their mother or grandmother praying for them. But like I said earlier, a mother's greatest desire is that you would know the Lord. And hey, maybe you're only here because that's what mom wanted for Mother's Day. But can I just be real honest with you? What mom wanted for Mother's Day, not, not that you would come to church, but that you would come to Jesus. That you would have your own personal relationship with the God that she has a personal relationship with. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, and again, don't do this for mom or for me or for anyone else in the room. Do this because beyond what your mother desires, this is what God desires, to know you and for you to know him. So I want to pause everything, just in case if there's even one person in this room today who says, Pastor Joey, I want to have genuine faith, not the counterfeit stuff, not the fake stuff. I want to know that I know that I know that I have a relationship with Jesus. Then all I'm asking is right where you are, would you lift up your hand and I want to include you in the prayer. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of young people. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm going to give you one more minute. Thank you, bro. Amen. Church, would you just help me pray this prayer just all together? There's no magic in the words. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, then you will be saved. So just pray all together with me. Say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I don't deserve you. But Lord, I ask, forgive me of my sins. Make me yours. Make me clean. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my God. Help me to love you the way you love me. And help me to be all that you call me to be. I pray this all in Jesus' mighty name.